the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Uh, I am Chris Lisa. I should be hearing from my cohort, uh, Mr. Mark Warner, at any moment. Um, we got a big show coming up today. We're going to preview the Atlantic Division with the one and only Tampa Bay Lightning insider Dan Harrigan. Uh, also, we're going to go around the league. We're going to go down the Vegas lane. We've got a lot to do. So uh, hang with us, and uh, we'll be starting in a matter of seconds. Okay, so I'm waiting for Mark Warner to join us, and uh, I we have some kind of he has some kind of technical inside. Mark, are you there? Oh boy. Okay, so I'm just going to move forward here, uh, and Mark will chime in uh, when he can. Uh, he should be connecting at any moment. So. Obviously, big news for the Vegas Golden Knights this week. They come to terms with Shea Theodore. Uh, they're a restricted free agent. Um, obviously, didn't have arbitration rights, which made this uh, drag on. Seven-year deal, $36.4 million, $5.2 million annual number. Um, uh, Mark, are you there? Yep. Okay. So, I uh, just talking about... Shea Theodore and um, his new deal, um, the way I see it, uh, I, I, you know, to me it's a no-brainer for Shea Theodore. Uh, it it kind of made sense to me that the reason that this took so long was a long-term deal. It made no sense to me that it would take this long for a bridge deal. Um, but if you're Shea Theodore and while you have a very bright future ahead and, and who knows, two years from now, People could be saying the the Golden Knights uh, got a bargain. Uh, they got a first first pairing defenseman at over a little over five million dollars for the next few years. But if you're Shea Theodore and you're looking at the, you're thinking uh, getting together with your agent, saying, you know, where does a long term deal make sense for us? And you can get five million a year uh, based on you know what you've done so far in your career, which has been really good. But it's you know not the biggest of sample sizes. Yeah, there's well, not much of it. If you're not gonna, right, and if you're not going to take that, if that's not enough, then you really should be looking at a bridge deal. Like, you know, um, so from from Theodore's camp, uh, I I would think you got to be you got to be thrilled. From Vegas standpoint, this shows you how much they really like the player, how much they they think of his potential. Um, you know, obviously, if they thought he was just going to be a really good uh, defenseman and uh, a second pairing guy is kind of where he's at. Uh, they wouldn't be entering a deal like this. So it tells you how excited they are about Shea Theodore's uh, um, big picture and what he's going to mean to this club. How they, like I said, they view him as one of the anchors of this defense. Um, and with the rising of NHL salaries, uh, now they have him locked in. Um, at 5.2, I mean, 
as long as Shea Theodore uh, stays healthy, I think this is going to be a win-win for everyone all around. So, uh, you know, uh, so the offshoot of this was it's it's another guy on the team on the blue line in camp, and that had a domino effect. But we'll get to that uh, after I hear what you thought of the deal. I think it's a good deal. And in the press conference, George McPhee said that it was the player that wanted the bridge deal and the team that was pushing for the long-term deal. So like, like you said, that does show us what, what the team thinks of Shea Theodore and, and where he plays in the, in the grand scheme of things, as far as the future of the blue line on the Vegas golden Knights, they think he's going to be the number one guy. Um, so look, it's, it's a straight 5.2. No uh, dipsy doodles on the lockout years. There's no signing bonuses. There's no uh, extraneous nonsense going going with it. Uh, in the last two years of the deal, he was given a limited five-team no-trade clause. Um, and, and George McPhee also said that they don't do no-movement clauses across the board. It's just company policy, the way he made it sound. Um, so they, they at the last two years... Um, they give him a, a limited five team no trade. Uh, look, if if you want to if you want to say that maybe for the next couple of years, uh, the first two years of the contract, he's overpaid by a couple million dollars. Because if you if you were going to bridge deal him, you wouldn't be going that high, right? You'd probably give him uh, two years, three point two, three point five, like we talked about. Um, so let's say he is overpaid the first two years, and then let's say the the middle two and a half, three years, he's probably paid about you know, where, where his market value would be. And, and you've bought three years of free agency out of the guy. He's 23. So the contract runs through, through, uh, you know, he'll, he'll be 30 and, and three years of unrestricted free agency. So you had to pay a little bit more for that. If the player wanted a bridge deal, you had to pay a little bit more for that, but I got to believe in the last, let's say years, five, six, seven, um, where, where Shea Theodore is projected to be, on those three agent, three free agent years, if he's projected as a number one defenseman, and then you let's just project a, a small increase in the salary cap every year the next five years, and say let's put the salary cap around eighty three, eighty four, maybe somewhere in that range. Um, that that means probably the market for three four defensemen will be somewhere around five six million a year. Um, Number one de- defenseman, number you know first pair defenseman, probably let's say eight. I mean Dowdy got eleven. They were throwing thirteen million around out of San Jose. Um, so in the last three years, you're going to be saving about three million dollars a year on this deal. That'll make up for yeah, the first I couple. I don't so know if he's for, gonna as, be over. as far I, as I the Vegas Golden Knights is concerned, I think it's a good deal all around. Yeah, I wouldn't say he's going to be overpaid though these first couple of years. I mean, time will tell. I mean, he's just gotten better as time has gone on, and he's no look. This is not got some guy they're easing in uh, at this stage. He's one of their top four blue liners, and something to note as well uh, in terms of Nate Schmidt, who who's going to miss the first twenty games. And is a uh, you know he's an unrestricted free free agent at seasons then and look I I know how much Nate Schmidt how much George McPhee thinks of Nate Schmidt this goes back a long way he was the he was the person that drafted him into the NHL so I have no doubt uh, that he wants Nate Schmidt to be part of the long term plans for the for for the Golden Knights 
But, you know, having said that, this gives them a little flexibility that if for whatever reason, as we saw last year with both Perron and, and uh, uh, James Neal, if, if, if uh, negotiations go a little haywire and things are a little uncomfortable, having Theodore locked up for the next several years gives George McPhee uh, flexibility to, you know, turn the page and, and look elsewhere, knowing that he doesn't have to worry about Shea, uh, Shea Theodore. So uh, having said that, I expect Nate Schmidt, will, it will work out uh, in Vegas for him. Um, but, you know, something to consider as well. Yeah, well, Shea, Shea Theodore is not a five million dollar player right now. He's he's twenty three years old. He has one hundred fourteen games in the league. We saw him make some glaring mistakes in the playoffs, specifically right. the Stanley Cup Final. That uh, the mental mistakes um, were, were and and I said last week, kudos to Gerard Gallant for putting the kid right back in the lineup. There's a lot of coaches um, that that guy wouldn't see the light of day again. Uh, for the rest of the for the rest of the season, so uh, overpaid the, the, at least for this year, maybe next year. I think absolutely overpaid. Just as well, far he could as, also develop. As, you know, he could also well, get better. Sure, I, I, I watched him play last night, and th- there was a play on the power play where the puck came in down in the in the left corner, and really, and, and I got to uh, let me preface this by saying uh, the Kings pretty much iced an AHL team last night. I was expecting to see the boys. Uh, in full force after icing pretty much the same AHL team on Wednesday night against the Ducks. Um, but that, that being said, the Kings were on the power play and the puck comes in down the left corner and Shea Theodore um, picks it up and there, there's two guys on his right and one guy coming around the back of the net. And instead of, instead of doing a panic move or throwing it around the boards or trying to bank it up, whatever he, he controlled the puck pivoted on a dime, skated up the ice, um, but made another move between the two guys that were coming down the left side in, in like three or four strides with the puck, head up, avoided the contact, avoided the stick checks, and skated it out of the zone and then cleared it down the ice. And, and I, I leaned over to my wife. I said, well, that was a nifty little play. Uh, for for the young defenseman, so is all the tools there? Yes, of course. Um, can he, can he develop into a consistent first line defender? That w- without the the mental lapses, I I think effort is always there with the kid. Um, but you know there is obviously a little risk on the night side, a little risk on his side. Um, but I, I like the deal on them and believe me, I'm not putting Shea Theodore down. I think he, the, just little plays like that where, and we saw it a lot last year where instead of the average bang it around the boards, um, he will do those two or three little strides that create the separation that allow the Knights to leave the, the defensive zone with speed and skating the puck out. And that's, I mean, let's face it, that's what the Vegas Golden Knights do is when they leave their own end, they're not um, getting into the red line and, or the center ice and, and dumping it. They're they're leaving their zone with speed, and Shea Theodore allows that to happen uh, a lot of the times on the ice. So I, I, I think it's a good deal for, for both sides. Shea Theodore's a rich young man, um, will be for a long time. The Knights lock him up, the long-term deal they wanted, and and I think it's a good deal for both sides. But I, I, right now... 
Um, and I, I don't mind that he's overpaid for this first couple of years, if that's how it, what it ends up being, because in the last three years, I think he'll be drastically underpaid. Yeah, and then the domino, the offshoot domino of that is uh, Branstrom gets sent down to the AHL. Yeah. Now, do you, uh, I haven't, I you know, it's been a busy, crazy week. Is Branstrom, is he going to spend the year in Chicago with the AHL? Yes, is he going back over? Oh, he is. He's so assigned to Chicago. Yes, sir. He is he he was one of these older draftees, if you will, that even uh, he can he uh, he's AHL uh, eligible uh, then. Um, so that so that so basically, Branstrom will be a phone call away during the season if the Knights need to go down there. Oh, so that's that's the best of both worlds uh, uh, for Vegas. So then that's that's kind of a no brainer and not a bad thing to have him continue to develop his game and. Hopefully, get a little. I mean, he's never going to be, uh, so, you know, some huge physical defenseman, but get just a no, little no. bit bigger, <laughs> a little bit stronger, uh, you know, along those lines. And there are plenty of defensemen who are a little undersized who are terrific defensemen in the NHL. So it uh, opens the door for uh, uh, Jake Piskoff, who the the Knights got. In the expansion draft with the with the from the Islanders and that trade that they made, so you know it'll be interesting to see if he gets where he falls uh, on the blue line list. It seems like he's got a good chance to crack the opening night roster. Whether or not he'll be the seventh defenseman or they'll rotate those third pairing guys, but uh, uh, so it looks like all is well in uh, uh, in Golden Knights land in terms of their blue line. Now they just got to get Nate Schmidt back. Yeah, I was hoping that they would hang on to Branstrom and let him get at least one more game so I'd get to see him play in person last night, but that was that was not to be. And I was definitely on the brand wagon, as you, if you will. Um, I, I, I wanted to at least get a chance to see him because on TV he looks to be about uh, Jonathan Marsh's show size, and I, I wanted to see how he, would, how he holds up. But it, it seems like he can skate his way out of dangerous positions. His, and that's the kid's strength is his, his skating and it, it just his ability to carve edges and, and, and change direction on a dime. Like we saw in that, in that shootout uh, against the sharks um, where he, he was, it, it was just silly the way he, he just turned his edges over and Martin Jones couldn't even react to it. So, yeah, I wanted to see him yeah. play. I thought maybe he had the upper hand because he is a little high, higher end expectation than than Bischoff, but they probably went um, just steady. He's been a uh, Gerard Gallant quote. Uh, he's been steady. He's been real good. Um, so I mean, that's what you get out of Gerard Gallant, right? Uh, so yeah, um, he didn't play last young... night. Then you have the other when the other defenseman he... in in Holden, and he he looked. I'm just going to say unnoticeable and so, and and sometimes and I kind of mean that as as a compliment in in the fact right. that I didn't notice him doing anything wrong put it that way he didn't stand out he just looked steady uh, no glaring mistakes he was able to do what he was supposed to do but but the the knights have said they're going to carry eight defensemen to start the start the mm-hmm. season so I mean Bistoff's there Holden's there and then you have have Theodore in the loop now. Um, so 
So I think I think committee, you know, defense by committee early in the season is going to be the name of the game. Uh, matchups on on when you want to play Holden, when you want to play Hunt, when you think Merrill is in, and when Bissoff gets gets a, a start. So I I, I think yeah, they'll hold up just fine. So wrap up the, the the Vegas lane in terms of Brandstrom. You know, I've seen this with the Islanders too out here, uh, starting some of their young players in the AHL, and people are like we want to see them now. You know, when in doubt, uh, especially if they go into the AHL versus going back overseas or going over to juniors. juniors. You know, right. in the AHL, you're phone call away. So when in yeah. doubt, give that player a little extra time. Put and him back it's a in the long oven. season. Yeah, it's a long season, and I've seen players where they, you know, they made their mark in camp, shown that they're very close to being ready. They give them a little extra time, and you know, before the month of October is even over, they're back up with the team in, in camp. It's a, it's a, it's a marathon. And it's not a sprint. And you know, since we were talking about Shea Theodore and uh, you know his status, might as well jump into around the league with and talk. We still have Mr. Nylander is still not signed with the Maple Leafs. Uh, it seems like, like the Golden Knights, Toronto is only interested in a long-term deal, which makes sense because a bridge deal or a one-year deal from a Toronto perspective is just kicking the can down the road and down the road mm. maybe as soon as next summer, and that doesn't really help them. They need no. to lock in... <laughs> Uh, Nylander, and then you know, uh, in the in, in, over the next year or so, Marner and Matthews at the best numbers they can get. And as more time goes on, presumably these guys stay healthy. And if they even you know if they continue to perform and get better, which you got to like their chances for that, those are going to be very high numbers. So sooner is better than later for uh, Kyle Dubas and company. So it. The thing is, I cannot see how Nylander is going to sign for the number where they want to be on a long-term deal at six in the low sixes. Uh, from what you read, that he's going to want at least seven and a half, close to eight. I get he's not a center, so you know if you want to compare what Brian Johansson or Leon Draisaitl are getting, but you know here's the bottom line too, and I think this is to get your take on this is due to our situation. I know they're two completely different players that play completely different different positions and so on and so forth. But from a general standpoint, looking from afar, if I was William Nealand, i say, look, Shea Theodore is a, a really good young player and he's done some really good things. But if I were to look at his resume so far, I would see, you know, it would the page would be full, be filled up so much, and he got 5.2. If I look at my resume and compare it to Shea Theodore's, I've done so much more. So, you know, if I'm going to sign a long-term deal, if Shea Theodore is getting 5.2, you know, not for nothing, but I should be getting, like, at least 7.5. And, a half. Uh, and that, a lot of times that's how these contracts are done. I think, I, if I remember correctly, I believe, Mark, you said that it's the same agent for both players. So, uh, I, you know, and with opening night for Toronto being, or for the league starting next Wednesday, which includes Toronto on the schedule, I think this is a big weekend. I think between now and, let's say, by midday Monday, if we don't have a deal, this could be, you know, a Jacob Truba situation from a couple of years ago where he, you know, he missed some time into the new year. I think he didn't wind up signing until around Thanksgiving. So just curious to your thoughts on uh, Neilander. 
Ooh, I think, and we'll talk with Dan Harrigan coming up a little bit from Lightning Insider uh, as we look at the Atlantic Division a little later on in the show. I wanted to get his take on this too, but I perhaps you take the $11 million that you give to Jonathan Tavares and use it to sign your homegrown talent. And, and if you, I mean, also, you know, if you're not going to do that, then, you know, you know, Nylander's holding out unless Ottawa doesn't want to trade Carlson to the East, which they said they really didn't want to do, but I got to believe Toronto could have had a nice package with Nylander as as the you know the a chip, and then picks and and a couple other roster players would have been a better package than what San Jose probably offered, and it would have addressed more of a team need than Tavares does. Um, I think there might have been a couple other options on the table besides giving the money to Tavares when you have three homegrown players that are let's face it, superstars um, and ready to get paid now. And you end yep. up with this. And, and I mean, the team can't really go above six because Matthews and Marner need money and the player shouldn't go below eight, seven and a half. Like you said, because he's a 50, 60 point guy in the league as a 21 year old, or, you know, right. how, what I, he's about 21. So, um, like we said with Theodore, where is he going to be in three years, five years, seven years? Um, right. And if, if if they're trying to go long term on the thing, at a at a six million dollar number, and I'm I'm Nylander, I'm like, well, why why do you go and sign Tavares and bring him in when we have let's I, let's say Austin Matthews is is a top center in the league, um, top ten for sure, right? Um, you already have your number one center. I know you get depth down the center with Tavares and everything, but he's never scored 40 goals in a season. He's never, you know, put the team on his back, if you will, and drug them through a playoff run. Um, I, if I'm, if I'm Nealand, I'm like, well, you paid him 11 and he's a new guy and I've been in your system and you're bringing me up. Why, why are you shortchanging me? And, right. And, and I, also too, you know, he could wind up I'm at on being it. the good he could be wind up being the good soldier and then it frees them up to sign everyone else at market value and be like, well, wait a minute. And he's already Where's mine? So, yeah. Yeah. I Why mean, should he do if that? I was Neilander, I would say to him, look, if you're not going to budge off six, then we need to go to a one-year deal. And I'll just play sure. year by year. You know, yep. and, and I'll be a free agent in four years when I'm 25 years of age and I'll take my chances with that. And also, I'll be uh, a restricted free agent after this year with arbitration rights. Basically, I'll take a page out of William Carlson's book and and prove yep. it on the ice. And now, um, what, what, but Toronto, what do you but think? Toronto wants, I would think, no part of that. So, what do you think about a team uh, in a division it, like Boston or Toronto offer sheeting him? Well, let's be honest. There's a reason we don't. It doesn't happen very there's, much, but well, because there's be got to be there's a gentleman's agreement. I mean, let's. I don't want to get into conspiracy theories, but. It does. If there's a prime, if there's a prime situation to offer sheet someone, this is it. Nylander, given the yeah, and they, you don't hear boo about it. No, so, well, yeah, I, I, I start to see rumblings like could Chicago offer sheet him? Um, I, I, I talk about dirty pool. 
How how would Nylander look in Boston or Toronto? Yeah, no, I I, I it would put Toronto up against it. I mean, I think they would have to match it and figure it would give them a different set of problems. But you know, this was a question when they signed uh, Tavares of you know great move on the ice and all that people applauding it. But you know, gee whiz, I mean, what about are we? Are you going to be able to sign? your three homegrown guys and and then with Tavares and still have plenty of money to, you know, they said no the, problem. They said no problem. They said no problem. Well, I now mean, they the have way a problem. I look at it is, is based on where the market is with salaries and where it's going, the talent of these guys and the ages of these guys, it's hard for me to see the cost being, not close to $40 million for these four players. And, you know, I'm sure the cap, the cap's currently at $79 million. I'm sure over the next, you know, you know, we'll see what time will tell how much it goes up over the next year or two or three kind of thing. But give or take, that's going to be basically half of your cap for four players. And yeah. all forwards. So, yeah. And, uh, and so defense that, is the issue. And to be honest, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know if Freddie Anderson, and we'll get into this with Dan, is is he a Stanley Cup winning goalie? But that's we don't know. You know but also, but I wanna I wanna get to uh, real quick uh, uh, Zach Smith and and uh, More you Ottawa. know I know he didn't have a good from Ottawa and he didn't have a good year last year and Ottawa wants to go young and all that and Ottawa it's just been like General Hospital over there if you will soap opera. One yeah. after another, some some they're full, some they're not. But then to place him on waivers, and then you know Matthew Shane's line, I'll keep this as a family show, was like getting kicked in the privates. I yeah. mean, it's just another, it's just another tough day for the Ottawa fan base. I mean, now to be fair, no one claimed him, so yeah, so he's still on the roster, right? Right, right, right. No one claimed him. So if it was such a, look, we're just looking to dump money and, you know, how can we do this? This is ridiculous. Someone would have claimed him. Um, I could think of quite a few teams, one of which being the San Jose Sharks, but he oh. is locked up for the next three years at not a huge number, three and a quarter. Um, you know, I think he's a great guy to put on the third line kind of thing and give you secondary scoring. Um, but... Uh, yeah, that was it. Was another tough day for the Ottawa franchise and and, and their fan base. Now, now I'm wondering. He passed through waivers. They could. I don't know what his his contract is, but do they do they send him down? Do they give him his outright release or or? Yeah, what, I don't do you know, know what their to, plan is with the guys. I mean, you I, don't just throw I, someone I, on waivers for no reason unless you're hoping someone claims him. Well, they they might that might have been it. They might have been hoping someone claimed them. I mean, they're responsible for the money. It's a guaranteed contract. I would think that they would send them to the miners and um, and do it that way. But it's a guarantee. And and you know, hope you know the way I look at it is there's no reason why, especially with a couple of the, the injuries that they have going on, and Bobby Ryan seems to be hurt again. Uh, Peugeot is out for a long time. That he couldn't be part of the mix, and he's a guy that. If he can put up his usual year and bounce back from last year, he's a guy maybe you can move at the deadline and get a couple of draft picks for him. Uh, you know, not a first rounder, but you know maybe a couple third round picks kind of thing. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't. I'd have to know more about what they wanted to do or what they were hoping to do. Um, I think they were hoping someone was going to claim them. I mean, that's just an educated guess. That, yeah, uh, but I mean, there's. Is there any chance that Matthew Shane stays there or Stoner? Any chance uh, that they I, say, I, "Oh I, yeah, I, 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 I want to stay in Ottawa long term. Give me an eight-year deal." Any chance? I think they. I think they're. <laughs> I think they're going to be looking at goodness down gracious. the road. So, yeah, no, I the, those guys. I'm not saying they're going to be moved in October, but I think things will get hot and heavy with those guys unless someone, you know, kind of sneak attack and. Like last year, we saw with, ironically, Ottawa wanting to get Matt Duchesne. Uh, I think we're looking at, you know, come New Year's Day, things you're going to start seeing things get hot and heavy for both Duchesne and, and Stone. I think it's and who knows who else? Ottawa. Guys like Cody <laughs> Cece, and even though they're, you know, they have their rights beyond this year, I mean, who knows? I mean, at that point, who knows? Are they even at the cap floor right now? I mean... But they have that's to be, yeah. Mess. I'm that's sure they, they have to. They they have to be. They have to be. Well, Bobby Ryan alone is like seven and a half million. So well, they, yeah. they, they have to be. They have to be. You know, I heard Pronger is available make... for a trade. <laughs> <laughs> I heard they, Pronger they, and Datsuk. You might be able to pry that out of Arizona. They they should they should go to Arizona. They're the kings of the. What the the hosts, the Dave Bolins, yeah. the Pryor, well, hey, hey, the kings of Vegas those has Vegas has David Clarkson for a couple more years at yeah, five million go. per. Ship him out, right? Will be happy camper. Well, let me bring in Dan Harrison. Dan is the Lightning Insider uh, writer for the Lightning Insider. He has a weekly spot on Lightning Radio Network Power Play Show uh, with Greg Lanelli. Um, Dan, welcome to the show. It's good to hear hear from you again, buddy. Thanks for taking the time to jump on and talk some hockey with us, sir. Hey, anytime. Thanks for having me, guys. So we talked last year, and I think it was December or so, where you were ready to put Tampa and Vegas in the Stanley Cup final, and you were half right. You were half right, right around December. You you are, you were one of the first people to call for the, in all of the media to call the Vegas going to the Stanley Cup final in December. So first off, right off the top, everyone says nobody saw this coming. Well, Dan, yeah, people can go back and listen to the show. It was December when you said Vegas was going to the Stanley Cup final. So kudos to you for your early insight on that. But your Tampa Bay Lightning missed it by one game. Um, the the biggest change so far. And well, over the off season with Tampa, is the guru of all general managers, Steve Eiserman, steps down. He has left the team in, in a great spot, in my opinion. And I, I, I want to ask you, but I, I don't think that team gets affected by that here in the short term. And I think their window for going to the Stanley Cup final is, is still wide open. Just give, let me get your thoughts real quick on the on the Stevie Y departure. And and maybe long term, what that means. Well, take, taking him at his word that you know this was strictly a family issue, and I have absolutely no reason to doubt that. Uh, you're absolutely right. In he certainly left the cupboards a lot fuller th- than when he arrived here eight years ago, because 100%. the cupboards were bare. So. And, and I agree with you. I think the window for this team, uh, it, it, you know, when you look at, at the two leaders of this team in Captain Stephen Stamkos and Victor Hedman, 
you're you're looking at somebody who's 28 and 27, uh, Stamkos being 28 and Hedman being 27 years old. So there's they still have a lot of good hockey ahead of them. Uh, but at the same time, so far in camp this year, I have noticed a very detectable change in the way the team, the players, are handling the preseason. In prior years, if you go back three years to 2015 in the Stanley Cup, um, they were the young upstarts. Nobody expected the Lightning to be facing the Chicago Blackhawks in the 2015 Stanley Cup final. They were the youngest average age playoff team in the NHL that that, that postseason. So, you know, back then the town was thinking, wow, this thing, it's wide open. We're going to, you know, we're going to have a lot of good years ahead of us. Well, the feeling I get in camp this preseason is there's, there's not a lot of backslapping and joking around. They're very serious because I think they realize now that the window's not as open as it was three years ago. And they certainly don't want to go down in history as as a team that just couldn't get it done. So I think that, you know, and the fact that Steve Eiserman is in fact gone. Y- yes, he laid the groundwork for his successor, Julian Brisebois, for the next few years. But uh, there's, you know, we all know there's no guarantees in this game, and and I think we're seeing that in terms of the way the team is, the players are approaching the upcoming season. So, so a more business-like approach in camp would that be fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. As a, and again, you know, maybe that comes with some some maturity. age, you know, as is some maturity on 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 the part of the their leaders. But also, you know, maybe maybe just a little bit of 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 concern or fear that hey, we don't want to, you know, uh, we don't, and forgive uh, any any Buffalo Bills fans out there. They don't want to be the Buffalo Bills of of hockey, where where they they you know they're one of the best teams in the in the league for a few years, but never winning the big game and never winning the the never getting you know. Being able to ho- hoist the cup, that's that uh, certainly I'll a feeling. The, the uh, it, yeah, there you San go. Jose, mm-hmm. or or even before last year, you would consider Washington in that cap- category right now as it, well. It's, it's, it's like being a golfer and being the guy who's known as the best player not to win a major. You don't want to be that guy, and they don't want to be that team. So all I right, think that's what that's the difference I'm seeing this this preseason. Well, let, let's move on and take take a look at some other teams in the in the Atlantic Division. Mm-hmm. I wanted I wanted to get your thoughts on. I'm looking over my notes here. Where we're going to go on on Toronto? We were talking about the Nylander situation, um, and and obviously the biggest change there is their signing of of Jonathan Tavares. Um, Eleven million dollars a year. First, first, what do you think that does to Toronto's chances to go ahead and win the division? I'm seeing a lot of talk that Toronto should be the favorite. I, I personally think there's some. The, the issue wasn't ever going to be with the forward core. It was going to be with the defense core on that club, and they may have been better off spending that money on on 
use some of the other defensemen that were out there, but I'm not gonna gonna second guess the brass in Toronto or anything. What's your thoughts on the Tavares signing and and what that does to Toronto's uh, prospects this year in the division? Well, it makes a good offensive team even that much better. And if you look at the top two lines for Toronto, you can match them up against not only against any other team, including Tampa in the division, but pretty much any team in the in the league as far as offensive potential of the, those top two lines. Yeah, I'd even go three lines deep with Toronto. But I, I agree with you that I think the big question mark is the 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 defensive depth that they have. Um do they have the a strong enough defensive core to because we all know you know they could they could win the division clearly they have the talent to win the division but can they get past the first round in the playoffs we know that it's going to take a strong defensive effort for any team to go you know into round two and beyond in in the in the postseason and. That, to me, is the big question mark for Toronto. Yeah, I agree. And then back in that there, Freddie Anderson, he had, he had a, a decent, pretty pretty solid uh, Leafs record in wins for a goaltender, I believe, last season. But saw his goals against and save percentage spike um, almost half a goal in the first-round mm-hmm. series against Boston. Do we... Do we believe Freddie Anderson is is going to make that next step into a big time playoff goalie, um, a la the the Pecorines, Jonathan Quicks, Carey Price when he when his club manages to make the playoffs? He certainly hasn't been the disappointment in Montreal. But um, is, is Freddie Anderson going to be able to take that next step? I, I think he will have to if they're going to get out of the first round again, even even with a Tavares and, and such a high-flying offense that they have? Well, and, and you know, I think with with regard to Anderson, I don't think he's the type of goalie that that is going to uh, lose your team a game, but he, he can only be as good as the group in front of him. And I think it, it comes down to chicken or the egg. Is the, 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 the blue liners of Toronto, are they – strong enough to play in front of a very competent goalie in Anderson. Can they, can they give him the necessary help in front of him to, to get them to round two and beyond? I think that's the big question. Hey, Dan. No, and I agree. Chris. Go ahead, Chris. Okay. Dan, it's Chris here. So I want to, I got three uh, hits for you. We're going to start with the Bruins number one. And, okay. I look at the Bruins fan, and obviously they were one of the top teams in the regular season. Um, they lost the Lightning in five games after winning game one on the road. I mean, clearly they have a Stanley Cup winning goalie in Tuka Rask. You know, Zidane Char is might be like father time, but he's still he's not the same player, but still quality uh, top four guy, if you will. They have March Marchand, they have Bergeron. And they have a good young core coming, getting better in the McAvoys and the Pasternicks and, and, you know, the DeBrusques of the world. But I feel like this team, to be the Tampa Bay, to be the Washington, to be the Pittsburgh, to get or to be multiple of those teams probably, to get to the Eastern Conference Finals, is still one player away, although I don't know 
what that one player is. Uh, how do you? What's your thoughts on Boston? Well, I, you know, it, I, I think to their credit, they've done a very good job over the last two, three seasons of incorporating the the younger players, you know, like a Pasternick, like a DeBrusque, even on defense with McAvoy uh, and Tory Krug. The, they, they've incorporated these younger players with some of the very good veterans they have, like Bergeron and, 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 and David Krejci and, and Chara. Chara is still the best. To me, he's he's still a, a very good, maybe not an elite defenseman that he was five years ago or longer, but he is still very very good for uh, you know. In it, again, I, w- I probably wouldn't call him an elite defenseman, although he's he's pretty darn close to that. Uh, but I think they're they're what the Bruins are lacking is some forward depth because you look at a guy like David Backus. Uh, even Bergeron, because you know the the tendency to to miss fifteen or twenty games a season, and David Backus is not the player he once was. So so can can these younger players step up and take a take a you know can DeBrusque have a a a type of year that let's say if a Bergeron or a Krejci goes down for a a significant period of time, can some of these younger forwards step in? Uh, You know, from what I've seen in the last couple of years, uh, they they keep surprising me in terms of how well these these younger players play. But, you know, over the the 82-game regular season, Will it be enough? I think what Boston's missing more than anything is a, a very strong depth among their forwards. Now I want to get to the Florida Panthers, who to me is one of the most fascinating teams going into the season. And, you know, the Panthers just missed the playoffs last year by uh, a point or two. They finished with 96 points. They had the most points of all the teams not to make the playoffs. I think the spectrum for the Panthers is is worst case scenario they're a solid team that gets you you know 86 88 points come up short for the playoffs to a team that can not only easily make the playoffs either as a wild card or in the top 3 in the Atlantic but make some noise in the playoffs I I'm not sure how I feel about them they're definitely talented you know I know Luanco's 40 but I mean, how do you see? How do you size up the Florida Panthers, man? Well, you know, I'll tell you what. I think uh, for all the the let's say extracurricular activity revolving around Mike Hoffman, I think he is going to be a big plus for them. Kind of, he kind of he's he's a a good enough offensive player that you look at at Florida's top two lines. And you know when you when you talk about guys like Huberdo and Trocheck, uh, Barkov, Butestad, these there's some offensive firepower there that that can hang with anybody in the division. I think last year you're right. It was in the division. It was feast or famine. You had three teams over 105 points. You had four teams that were less than 75 points. The only oddity was the Panthers, and they missed by, by the playoffs by one point. I think the key was Luongo. Luongo only played 35 games. If he were able to play 
let's say, 45 games, 50 games, they would have been in the playoffs. That one missing point, he would have been able to find it for them. I think the the Panthers, I, I think they're going to make the playoffs because I think Luongo is going to play between 45 and 55 games. I think he's he, just from what I've seen in this preseason, he looks to be healthy enough to be able to do this. If he does that, I think that's the difference for for the Panthers. Now, I don't think they're going to leapfrog over Tampa or Boston or Toronto. I think that's one of your one of the two wild card uh, teams in the in, in, in the Eastern Conference. But I, I think this Florida Panther team is going to surprise some people. Yeah, one more before I give you back to Mark Dan, and that is. And you mentioned it before, you may have that great stat about the bottom of the division. So my question is, Buffalo, out of, can any of Buffalo, Detroit, Montreal, or dare I say Ottawa, not, I'm not talking about making the playoffs, but being contention for a playoff spot come March 1, or all these teams playing for the ping pong balls in April? Well, uh, I'll tell you, I think of the four, you know Ottawa's just imploding, and 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 they're they're gonna struggle, I believe, to even hit sixty points uh, for the season. You know Detroit is, you know it's, it's so funny. I was uh, looking at average age of the NHL teams, and I know that's a, that's a fluid statistic because mm-hmm. of 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 especially before the final rosters are 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 set. But Detroit, as of yesterday, their average age was 32. There, no other team. The second oldest is 28, average age. I mean, you've got some guys who are very, very long in tooth. I, I think Detroit is is going to be happy just to 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 keep in front of Ottawa. I think the team that is on the rise is Buffalo. I think they're 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 not going to be in the playoff in the playoffs this season obviously maybe not even next season mm. but in a two or three years mm. I think I think we're going to see the Buffalo Sabres and I think this season I think Eichel's going to have a breakout year um and I'm interested to see the kid Dolan and see how well he adjusts you know it's very hard very difficult and challenging to be a NHL defenseman but I I am I am interested to see how well this this kid does his rookie year. Mark? Following up with Buffalo, I think that um, a lot, you know, basically their third and fourth line were almost AHLers last year, and, and the return they got for Ryan O'Reilly at least puts NHL caliber depth into their forward core, and I'm very intrigued at what Carter Hutton is going to be able to do as a number one goaltender. He had a stretch last year where he was playing some of the best goalie in all of the National Hockey League. So if if he can be consistent and, and Darlene can come in and, and be a dynamic puck-moving defenseman, moving things up up the ice for some of that forward core, and Middlestat, who's the highly touted guy coming in this year, can mm-hmm. take strides, then I, like you said, I don't think this year, um, but I, I, I think a lot of people will be surprised at how well 
Buffalo does. If there's any team in, in, like you said, the bottom four teams weren't over 75 points, I would say Buffalo is the team to watch to make the jump into the 85, 90 point range this season. Yeah, you know, even even the the moves with by adding Skinner and and Connor Sheary, I think those yeah, those absolutely. are positive moves for Connor for Sheary, the Sabers. And, and Skinner too. And those that, are two very good players. Right, right. So so that you know, so the pressure isn't all on Eichel, which it seemed you know Eichel and Reinhardt were they were carrying this team offensively, and and you know for two young guys. That that that's a tough road to hoe, but you know you add a, a a guy like Sherry and a guy like Skinner. I think they're fast. I think they know how to score. I th- yep. I'm looking for for some. I I think Buffalo's going to surprise again. I'm not saying playoffs. I think they're maybe uh, two, maybe a year or two away from really having a a a solid chance for the postseason but they're they certainly are going to surprise some people i mean we haven't even talked about reese the who i think is a very underrated defenseman as well yes for sure so so i you know i think buffalo is going to surprise some people for sure this season well let me get your uh let me get your predictions on on top three in the division and then we'll let you go okay i i think in order it's it's going to be the Lightning taking the division, battling Toronto all the way through the end of the season. I think Toronto's going to be is going to jump ahead of Boston from last year's standings, but I think Boston's going to hold off the Panthers and and the Sabers to get that third spot. And as I said before, I think uh, uh, as opposed to last season when the both wild card teams were from the Metro. I think uh, Florida makes the playoffs this season. This season. I gotta go. I gotta agree with you all the way down the line. I think Toronto, if, if anything, they're they're built for regular season success now. If if they can get Nylander signed, and that's a question mark still. Um, we were talking yeah. about mm-hmm. that at length earlier in the show. If, if they do somehow get Nylander in the in the fold, let's say in the first ten games, I don't think it's going to happen before the season starts. Maybe it will. Um, they seem to be quite a bit apart on, on term and dollars and everything else you can be a bit apart on. Um, but if they can get Nylander in the fold, that's a regular season dynamo right there, I think. And I've been excited to have those three players with Marner Matthews and Nylander play together since they were, you know, a few years ago when they were wondering which of the three might make the roster. And then they all did. And the off- offensive dynamics, in Toronto are going to be huge this year. And Tavares does bring that veteran leadership and they're, they're a regular season team. I think they're going to push Tampa Bay. Um, but I, I think Boston is more of that prototypical playoff type team um, who can grind it out in the, in the regular season, uh, a lot of the LA Kings. And when they do make the playoffs, they become a force to be reckoned with. So, and, and I agree with you on Florida. I think Florida does, does take that step. If Luongo's healthy, no question. He would have got that extra point for him last season, maybe an extra five or mm-hmm. 10 points in 10 games. So I, I got to agree with you all the way down the road, Dan. Well, yeah, I, I you know, I think, uh, it's all well and good to, to, to make our predictions, but I'm certainly looking forward to, to the upcoming season, just to, if nothing else, just to see what, uh, how close we are to what, how it's going to end up. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Well, follow Dan on Twitter, at Dan Harrison for all of his Tampa Bay Lightning content. He posts links to all of his stuff on there. Uh, Dan, thanks a lot. We'll be talking to you down the road, buddy. Thanks for having me, guys. Take care. Thanks, Dan. All right. All right, Chris, prediction time. I just gave mine out. I'm going right with Dan right down the line. My other wild card team is going to be Columbus. I had uh, Washington, Philly, and Pittsburgh in order in the Metropolitan. I think Columbus, as long as – I mean, we don't know what could happen with Columbus. If they start out flat and get behind the eight ball, uh, Panarin probably will be moved at some point during the season if they're in no, it. No, uh, uh, no Seth Jones first four to six weeks, too. No Seth Jones for four to six weeks. Um so if they can, and, you know, we'll go back and talk a little bit after the predictions uh, if we want to talk about the Corey Perry thing in Anaheim and any of that stuff. But um, if Columbus can yeah. stick with it, I think that's your wild card, your second wild card team. I think Florida's your first wild card team in the East. Yeah, let's, uh, after I make my prediction, let's make a point about Corey Perry because that's a biggie. Uh, we didn't get a chance in the second segment. Um, I'm going to go Tampa. They're just They're just the best team by far. Uh, I think they're gonna they're gonna load up on the bottom of that division. I mean they're they're just the best team in my opinion in the East now. Playoff matchups and all that jazz, health. Um, then it's a battle for me between Boston and Toronto for the spots two and three. Could be a bit you know, and that could be very important because you know that was the ma- that's how it played out last that's year. That's your home ice. And yeah. and that game it went to game seven and I just you know I I think. Boston's the more complete team. Uh, I do think that Toronto, with, assuming that Nylander gets back sooner than later, with their with those with that firepower, they're going to really uh, have a pretty strong record against uh, sub 500 teams. But yeah. I'll be curious what their record's going to be against the Washingtons, the Pittsburghs, obviously Toronto, Boston, yeah. and and, and uh, Tampa's, yeah. So. I'm going to go with Boston, too, because they're the more complete team, but that's a very fluid situation. You know, <laughs> Dan mentioned before about injuries and guys healthy. So that, that could be a big a big difference there. But I'll go Boston, two, Toronto, three. And I have my two wild cards because uh, I had Columbus in the third spot in the Metro. So my two wild cards are Florida and Philly. Um uh, making the making the playoffs, so um, that's how that's my predictions. And yeah, let's finish up the show with Corey Perry before we preview next week. Little and overtime segment on the Vegas hockey. Little game. overtime, like it. Yeah, yeah, that's a blow. That's a that's a tough. That's a tough. I know he, you know, I know his numbers were down last year, like Getzoff and like Kessler, but you know, of the three. Between you know you, you had injury uh, concerns, especially with Kessler. Uh, if you would have said, "Oh, someone's going to miss the majority of the season," you would have bet on Kessler. Um, you know, obviously, depth at forward is a problem. It does open the door for a guy, and I mentioned this on the Pacific Preview Show, like a Sam Steele, who's been a top prospect, who's done everything at the junior level. He's still with the club. He's had a really strong training camp. Good friend of the show, Felix Sakar, tweeted out this week. Uh, you know, I mean, this was before the Perry injury was announced. This guy should be on the team, so it could open to the door to a guy like that. One thing I will say about the Ducks is, and I think you brought up this point when we did the Pacific show, Mark, and that is, you know, last year they had all these 
you know, up and down performances, inconsistencies, injuries, yeah, yeah. yada, 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 and, and still somehow they finished in second place <laughs> with, a, with 100 points. Now, yeah. the, the playoffs Can you was, do it again? Was a, right, the playoffs was a different story. But having said that, you know, they're, they're a team that is strong in their own end. They're strong on the blue line. And if Josh, as long as Josh skips and can give him 60 games, and a youngster like a Sam Steele, I don't mean steps up and puts up 80 points, but steps up and gives them 40 to 45 points. I, I think they can be okay. But obviously it's a concern uh, where down, with the years they have left with the trio of Getzlaff, Perry, and Kessler in terms of cap numbers and, and, and so forth. Yeah, well, with, with uh, Kessler out for the season, and I'm looking at it right now, Perry's recovery time is 20 weeks, or, you know, look for him sometime around February. Yeah, look for him around February. Um, if they get hit with a couple more injuries, they're going to be looking at the same thing they had to go through yeah. last year. Um, I, Maybe I more so. I don't even have them in the playoffs before this. Um, right. I th- I, I, and I don't obviously think this helps any. <laughs> um, no. Excuse me. <clears throat> since I mean, since you brought it up, Seth Jones' injury, um, we haven't really talked about that too much either. Um, that's kind of a blow for that blue line in Columbus. Oh, right? yeah? Yeah, no, they, I mean, look, let's face it. I mean, when you think of the Blue Jackets, obviously you think of Panarin, you think of Bobrovsky. And then after that, you got to think, or on par with that, you got to think of Varensky and Seth Jones. That's, yeah. that's who's driving. Those are the players that are driving the bus. And now they have good players besides them. But those are their, those are their best players. So to not have Seth Jones for the first four to six weeks with his brain knee, I mean, luckily for them, it's not a Perry situation. But, you know, that's, that's, that's a tough hit. I don't know. I'm not sure off the top of my head what their schedule's like from uh, coming out of the gates, but um, that's that's look they 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 have a lot of tough decisions to make this year, and they're gonna have to see what kind of team they have. There's no doubt that they have a really good team, in my opinion. Question is, do they have a team that's good enough to be a contender for the cup? And if the answer to that is no, then and and they're not gonna resign or not either not going to resign or not be able to resign Panarin and or Brabowski, then come the new year, I, I think they have to look at the big picture. What's the point yeah. of holding on to those guys, knowing you're going to lose both of them to play, let's say, at Pittsburgh or Washington in the first round and, you know, losing five or six games? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm just seeing something right now about Nylander. Uh, apparently the uh-huh. Carolina Hur- Hurricanes uh, called them and inquired about trading for the player, and Toronto said he's not on the market. So take that. Now they, take that you know, there's a team, that, you know, because one, you know, there's been some rumors about that. The longer this goes, you'll read more rumors. And to me, it's not going to – if they're going to trade Nylander, ideally you would say, well, let's get a top-flight defenseman for, uh, for Nylander. So they're going to go down that road. Now – a team in contention is not going to trade their, one of their top-flight defensemen. Quite frankly, even if they have depth there, if they trade that player, then they're not going to have depth there anymore. So that's it's got to be a team that's looking towards the future. And is Dougie Hamilton a good enough 
blue liner, let's say Dougie Hamilton, and they put in a forward in the deal to to offset the loss for Nylander, is that a good enough defenseman uh, for Toronto to trade Nylander? Just, you know, food for thought, you know, to throw out there. I mean, not a bad matchup from a trade possibility. <laughs> What's going to happen I'm just first? Saying. Maple Leaf signed Nylander or Canada signs new NAFTA agreement. <laughs> Twitter's a fun place. Yeah, I, it, yeah well, is this, and, and will this be a short-term thing? Will this get done before opening night? Will this, like you said, just be a thing for a week or two? Truba from a couple of years ago, which she missed the first two months. Yeah. Um, it will be interesting to see. But, you know, so this ends our division preview shows. If you missed any of the others, please check them out. They're on Block Talk Radio as as well as uh, Russ Cohen's uh, Sports Allergy SoundCloud page. We had, who do we have? We had Chris Shores of Town break down the Pacific Trust. We had um, Jamie Thomas of Winnipeg Jets TV break down the Central. And we had Mark Scheig of the Hockey Writers break down the Metro. Next week, first-time guest. The Athletics' own Craig Morgan, who has been writing about the Arizona Coyotes for a long time. It's, I think, a great time to talk about them, where they're heading, moving forward, how bright their future is, both on and off the ice. So that's next week's show. Yep, our first of the regular season. Um, We've done really good numbers through the first four weeks here in the preseason. Uh, We appreciate all the new listeners coming into the show uh, on the Vegas Hockey Podcast. It, it's it's always nice to see feedback like that, and, and the growth we've had in the first month of, of the season so far has been been really nice to see. Uh, spread the word. Follow us on on Twitter at Vegas Hockey Pod. You can go to Russ Cohen's SoundCloud page, Sportsology. Uh, he's good enough to host our show over there as well, and we're available on all the podcatchers as well. So whatever whatever device and whatever format you use to listen to the podcast. Uh, You'll be able to find us anywhere out there. Uh, so looking forward to next week, Chris. But for this week. Absolutely. 